Welcome to the Sacred Birthing and Beyond podcast. This is a space for you to remember who you truly are. Throughout your pregnancy, birth and your journey into motherhood, this podcast will support you to tap into your inner knowing, your inner guidance and begin trusting yourself more than ever before. This is where we have deep, wise and soulful conversations with myself and other mummers about their sacred pregnancy, their sacred birthing experiences and the rite of passage into motherhood. We keep it real, raw and inspiring to elevate your own spiritual path and help you to embody your intuition and your feminine power throughout your pregnancy, birth and beyond. And I'm so excited you are here. Hello and welcome to the Sacred Birthing and Beyond podcast. I'm your host, Bianca Jane Langstaff, and throughout the weeks and months ahead, I will be sharing with you my own sacred experiences of birthing my two babies, both of which were incredible unplanned free births. And if you're unsure what a free birth is, it's when there is no medical or midwifery assistance at the birth. (laughs) I've been called crazy and all sorts of things, but... Like I said, it was unplanned and the universe works in mysterious ways. So I will be sharing more and more about those experiences with you soon. Uh, Today we'll be talking about Koa's birth story and I cannot wait to share that with you and especially going back in time and journeying through that again today as I reflect on how that felt and yeah how that all came to be. So I can't wait to get into that with you today. So thank you for being here. This is where we'll be having wise and potent conversations on all things related to rites of passage of pregnancy, birth and motherhood with a special focus on how to embody a sacred experience. And I just love speaking about this topic and helping women just like you embody that sacred aspect or approach to deepening your connection with yourself and your baby and the rite of passage that you're moving through at that particular time. So a little bit more about me before we dive into Koa's birth story. I'm a wife and a mum of two, like I mentioned. I have Koa, who is three and a half years old, and my daughter Lua, who has just turned one. I love living by the beach in a beautiful part of Australia that we've called home for the past nine years. There's just something so peaceful about living near the ocean. So I honestly couldn't imagine living anywhere else at the moment. And our life is very much filled with adventure and being outdoors and exploring the world, but also a lot of stillness and just being together with my family, you know, lounging on the couch, watching movies or following my son outside. You know, he's so curious about the world and just sort of seeing what he would like to share with me and what he's curious about or being super still on the floor with my daughter, just watching her curiosity and what she's interested in at the moment and how she is shifting and changing Every moment of the day, they just grow so quickly. It's incredible. There really is so much magic in the world and all we have to look, all we have to do, sorry, is look at the world through our children's eyes and witness how much beauty there is. 
So many miracles take place every day and there's so many opportunities to live our best life. But I also notice how much fear there is in the world. Fear and anxiety, it's everywhere. Particularly as women, we we fear that we're not good enough. We fear that we need to be more or do more to feel worthy in this world. You know, we've been conditioned to distrust ourselves and distrust our body And when it comes to the topics of pregnancy and birthing, the patriarchal conditioning has most women fearful of these most natural events and processes that our bodies are actually designed for. And this is what I am here to help shift and change in the world, to help women connect and connect and connect with themselves, with their intuition, with their body, and to therefore experience a sacred pregnancy to embody a sacred birthing experience and also to really feel that sacred connection to themselves as they journey into motherhood. And it really is a truly profound way of life to have that unwavering self-belief, a deep self-trust and a deep, deep inner knowing that you are capable of so much that you have the ability to have a beautiful pregnancy and birthing experience, to have unwavering trust in your ability to be a mother. It is time to love and honour our body during pregnancy, to love all the curves, the growth, the expansion, the aches and the discomfort, and to give reverence to our body for all it does for the perfect orchestration of growing our babies and nurturing our babies once they are born. It is absolutely mind-blowing if you really think about it, what our bodies go through and what they are capable of. It is time to reclaim birth as the sacred experience that it is meant to be. We are meant to be extremely held whilst we birth, held in the most loving and supportive way allowing us to flow through the phases with grace. Our body knows exactly how to do this. And the work I do in the world is helping you to remember your true power and to access it, to access it within you. When you're pregnant, when you're preparing for birth and as you experience the journey into motherhood. And one of the main things I speak about often is self-connection. It is so, so powerful and it has literally changed my life. And I don't say that lightly. It has been and continues to be something that I practice every day. I practice connecting with my body, with my spiritual support team. And yes, we get quite woo woo in this podcast, (laughs) but I assume that you are all open to that if you are here. I practice connecting with my higher self and with my emotions. It's literally a daily practice and To say that I enjoy it isn't, yeah, perhaps that's not even the right word. It's enjoyment, but it just brings so much peace to my life. The deeper I connect with myself, the more I actually realize and experience that inner peace within myself and understand that I can access that in any moment. But what we need to do is just to remember how to tune in to ourselves, how to tune in and hear and feel the guidance within us. And that is why I am here to walk this with you as you deepen into yourself too. 
But it hasn't always been this this way for me. I have, (laughs) just thinking back in time, I've been incredibly disconnected from my body, from my emotions. I didn't really have a very deep or connected understanding or experience of my intuition because most of my life up until the last few years, I've lived very much from my headspace and my poor heart hasn't had much attention at all. So... The journey from that awareness to where I am now has been incredibly significant where I really started to just a few years ago become aware of how much I was living from my head. You know, I was seeking perfectionism and control so much just to feel safe in my life, which is honestly if I'm speaking to another perfectionist (laughs) or someone that likes to control, oh man, it is exhausting. It is so exhausting and it absolutely steals joy. So becoming so aware of myself and my limitations and then loving and holding myself through that to then create change that serves myself and my family and essentially aligns me with my higher self and that in turn I suppose really does bring forth my greatest life when I am more aligned with my higher self allowing all of that density to dissipate my new normal now is to follow my intuition and you know this is not always easy it certainly comes with its challenges because I'm still experiencing my intuition in different ways you know sometimes I hear my guidance sometimes I feel my guidance sometimes I see my guidance so it's definitely something that I'm continually strengthening and learning and becoming aware of in the moments but I feel so tapped into it now more than ever before and actually more than I ever dreamed possible but it's incredible to remember and to reflect on how much that has changed over the years and how much it was a struggle for me not that long ago to even trust myself and trust has been absolutely pivotal in my growth and my evolution over the years and how I navigate my day-to-day now, trusting myself, trusting what I feel I need to do in any moment, trusting how to support my children and what they need and trusting the universe in what lays ahead for us rather than feeling like I need to control the outcome. (laughs) Oh gosh, it's just, it's absolutely incredible to uh, reflect on how much that has changed over the years. And this is the thing, right? We are so conditioned to looking outside of ourselves for the answers, feeling as though we are never enough, like we need to be more and do more and have more or heal more. You know, that's something I've certainly fallen into over the years is feeling like I need to heal this and heal that to be a complete, perfect woman. You know, there is no perfect. And when we are seeking to be different all the time, or not accept ourselves for who we are, then we always feel like we are never enough. And it's rampant in society today, especially I see this with women and mothers feeling like they need to do all the things all the time for everyone else for them to feel worthy. 
and looking outside of themselves or outside of ourselves for the answer. But in fact, the answers are always within us. And a beautiful result of deepening into your self-trust and your intuition is that you will feel self-empowered throughout the rites of passage of pregnancy and birth and motherhood and making decisions for all of those will be more easeful when you are able to access your inner guidance, when you're able to trust your intuition. You know, this becomes second nature after practice and the struggles and the pain any previous birth trauma or any challenges will also feel less hard because your trust for yourself and your trust for the universe is so strong that you can't help but have faith in the unfolding. So on the podcast, I will not only be sharing my own stories around this, I will be having conversations with other beautiful mummers about their own sacred experiences through pregnancy, in birth, and how they continue to deepen their connection to themselves in the busyness of their day. So how they really navigate that and put themselves first in in all ways to allow for that experience to be abundant. And these are heart expanding, they're heart opening, they are real and raw and soulful conversations. And I hope that these deep conversations open your heart and your awareness to what is possible for you on your spiritual journey to help you embody more of who you truly are, because that is really what this is about. It's embodying more of who you truly are. This podcast is ultimately here to revolutionize the way women relate to their pregnancies, to the birth of their babies, to themselves and their experiences as being a mother. So just before we go into Koa's birth story, I just wanted to mention briefly what the word sacred actually means, as you'll be hearing this word over and over again, as you already have so far. (laughs) I absolutely love this word. And when I use the word sacred in relation to pregnancy, birth and beyond, it means for a woman to have a spiritual perspective in her approach and her way of being. Her spiritual approach is a conscious connection to God or to source or spirit or the universe. So you can choose whatever word resonates for you here the most. Having a sacred relationship with pregnancy or birth or motherhood means that those events have a transformational effect on the baby and the mother's lives and their destiny. It means that the baby's journey earthside is honored as a rite of passage, just as much as the mother honors her pregnancy and her becoming a mother as a rite of passage also. So honoring the stages and phases, connecting deeply to herself and her baby, allowing for the experience to morph and change as she grows into the new version of herself. Isn't it just the most incredible and magical experience to go from maiden to mother watching and witnessing yourself morph and change through those moments with all the challenges that it brings but all the beauty and just the abundance of love it's such a magical journey and I feel so blessed every day to support women through that process to help women understand their true power to tap into 
their inner power, their limitless birthing power, their untapped potential and to strengthen their intuition so much that they just deeply trust themselves and their life ahead. It's so beautiful. So I'll share with you now Koa's birth story and I'll start from the time that I was pregnant and what that experience was like for me. So we had been trying to conceive for a couple of years and my menstrual cycle was irregular. So there was quite a long time there where we had false hope, I suppose. We thought we were pregnant and realized we weren't. And yeah, the emotional roller coaster of that was pretty phenomenal. So eventually we did fall pregnant with Koa and it was just the excitement was, yeah, we were over the moon. There was a huge amount of excitement, a huge amount of trust as well that everything was going to be okay. I feel like I knew very much from the get-go that the pregnancy was going to be wonderful. And I do very much feel that my mindset had a huge amount to do with that because we had been trying to conceive for a little while so we were so eager to be pregnant we were so excited to be pregnant so even the morning sickness in the first trimester I remember feeling like it was just all so worth it it was so worth it it was so manageable it was certainly uncomfortable a lot of the time particularly around from week seven to week 14. I never threw up, thankfully. I have a lot of friends who have thrown up quite a lot and you may have with your pregnancy as well. And I really feel for those women because I remember feeling so sick at one point when I was pregnant with Koa that I could have almost thrown up. And just the idea of that in the moment, being pregnant and wanting to throw up, gosh, it was just... I really had so much empathy and compassion for the women that go through that. So I'm grateful that my morning sickness didn't get that bad. It just seemed fairly, you know, fairly mild. So moving through first trimester, everything was pretty good, except I did spot a few times that I had low progesterone. So I did at one point in time have to have a progesterone uh, shot in the bum, which I cannot even explain to you how much that actually hurt. Um, the amount that was injected was quite a lot because my levels were quite low. So aside from that, I had to really monitor my progesterone and ensure that my hormones and all my levels were okay. So I felt like a pin cushion. It was, yeah, there was a bit of trauma, I think, to be honest, for me around that, having to have blood tests every week. A bit of anxiety around, is it going to be okay? Are my levels okay? Which they generally were except for the progesterone but having that anxiety sort of week to week certainly put a damper on everything and kept me in that sort of nervous state for a while but deep down I knew everything was going to be okay so it was just a matter of doing things that needed to be done to ensure that Koa and I were safe and and supported in the best way that we needed to be. So moving past first trimester into second trimester was when I started to really get curious and interested in the birth process and what that was going to look like for me, what decisions I was going to make. Daniel and I were having conversations around 
yeah, what we were going to choose amongst all the choices that we needed to make at that time. So the one decision we had made by that stage was where we were going to birth or where we planned to birth. So where I live, there's a family birthing center, which is attached to the hospital. And it's absolutely beautiful. It has in the birthing room, it's either a king or a queen bed. I have a feeling it's a king bed from memory. It's really, really large. And the room is just so beautiful and peaceful. It honestly just feels like home. There's a salt lamp, there's a shower, just the comfort and the peace there is so beautiful. And another room opposite that is where you can choose to birth in the birth pool. So it's just a really big, beautiful spa bath where a lot of women choose to birth. So the birthing center was absolutely my choice. I had heard about that through a friend prior to being pregnant with Koa and she was she was choosing to birth there and just going in there for the first time, meeting the midwives and getting a walk around or a tour around the center. It just felt very homely and so supportive and so loving and it didn't have that medical feel to it, not so much certainly nowhere near as much as the hospital and really not at all. And that's sort of what I was seeking was that, that comfort and that peace without feeling like I was in a hospital. That just was not the feel that I wanted. And I have so much uh, understanding and acceptance and acknowledgement of those women that do, do choose to birth in a hospital because it is an individual choice and we all have our own reasons for what we choose But for me, I wanted a natural birth. I didn't want any medical intervention. And that was why I then went down the route of hypnobirthing and I chose to have a doula as well. So with hypnobirthing, we met in, I think from memory, it was sort of towards the middle to the end of the second trimester. And I was in a group of three. So there was myself and two other women who were due to have their babies around the same time as me. And my doula was also their doula and she ran the hypnobirthing classes. And she's an absolutely beautiful lady. And I'm so forever grateful for her because those two women that were in that group with me, we have become best friends through that process of being pregnant and birthing our babies. And we all had boys. And since then, we had just been catching up regularly and just to experience that with them and to build our friendship based on the pregnancy and the birthing experience and becoming mothers at the same time has been one of the biggest gifts that hypnobirthing has provided to me that I just had no idea was available. So if you were considering hypnobirthing or any sort of birth preparation in a group where you get to really experience that intimate conversation, intimate relationship, and immerse yourself around women or with women going through a similar experience as you at the same point in time, I highly recommend it because it was so nourishing for us. And like I said, I'm forever grateful for that. So hypnobirthing was once a week for a few hours at a time for over a period of four weeks. So we would all sit down together at our doula's house in such beautiful comfort. And it was in such a sacred space. It was lovely with conversations around our fears about birth. What were our fears? What is it that we actually wanted to envision for our birth? 
how did we feel prepared or how much did we feel unprepared? And we were able to, through that process, learn how the body is naturally designed to birth. Going through the stages of labor, learning about those, learning about ways to support ourselves whilst we're in labor, breathing techniques, techniques, sorry, positioning techniques, how our partner can also support us through massage, through pressure point and acupuncture and learning in detail all of those stages and phases so that we felt fully empowered and prepared and confident and peaceful and for me so excited about giving birth. I Once I released my fear or a couple of fears that I had around ending up in hospital, that was mostly what my fears were around, releasing those and one of the biggest lessons that I had throughout the pregnancy was to surrender to the unfolding, surrender to what the universe had in store for me and my baby, because ultimately I could work on my own mindset, which I did a lot. I could release my fears and I could visualize and feel into the birth that I wanted. But ultimately, also the universe has a play at that because my baby, my baby's soul had a journey that they needed to experience. So there was so much that I needed to surrender to. And there was a lot of fear with that because that was me releasing control. And like I mentioned before, control because that feels safe for me has been such a pattern in my life. So, you know, pregnancy brings up so much. It brings up so many of your fears, so many of your worries, so many of your control patterns that it really shines a big bright light on those for you to work through. And that is the evolution of pregnancy. That is where you are being asked to grow and evolve into the next best version of yourself. So I was fully, fully aware of this as it was happening. And that's the power in the releasing of the fears and stepping into the trust and the faith of what lies ahead is for our greatest evolution it is what our soul has asked for it is what our baby's soul has asked for and it was incredibly powerful to just sink into that surrender and every time a fear came up just having the ability and the confidence to release that fear through what we learned in hypnobirthing so once we sort of moved through that and neared the end of the third trimester coming up towards my estimated due date by that point I felt like I said just so excited I had no fears around birth I would people would ask me or they would see me and say geez you must be over it um And I just, no, (laughs) I would just say, no, I'm actually not. I feel amazing. I had no aches and pains. I had no niggles with my pregnancy with Koa. I felt wonderful and I loved every single moment of being pregnant with him. I loved my belly. I loved the growth. I loved feeling him move all the time. And I actually started to, before I even gave birth to him, started to almost grieve a little bit that I wouldn't have that experience soon because I loved it so much that it brought so much presence to my day. And another big 
challenge for me throughout the pregnancy was I was still working quite a lot, seeing quite a few clients, running a big program, and a lot of time and energy was taken or being used from me. So that was still at a point in my life where I was very much in my masculine, very much about drive and success and go, go, go. I still, I did my meditation each day. I loved meditating because it brought so much peace and presence to my day and really slowed me down to the point that I really actually needed a lot more than that. But at that point in time, that's really all I knew. And the pregnancy brought so much presence for me that I really started to understand and experience what it was like to slow down and to really truly connect with my body and with the present moment. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So that really was such a big pivotal moment for me to experience that and to then from that point, because obviously when you then reach motherhood, you're being asked to slow down immensely because your baby needs you to sit as they are having a feed very regularly. So I had to really stop and be present with my baby once he was born. So that starting that process when I was pregnant was phenomenal because it really set me up for allowing myself to stop and to slow down once he was born. So nearing the end of the third trimester, a couple of other fears did come up and there was a little bit of fear around going over my estimated due date because once you do, then there's some pressure around, okay, so by this date, you know, we may need to do this uh, scan just to check everything's okay. And then by this date, there may be pressure for induction, which my doula and my midwife were very supportive around around my choice and sovereignty in the pregnancy, but they were still bound by red tape at some point. So I had this feeling that Koa was going to come early. I just had a feeling he was going to come about a week early. So once we got to a couple of days before my estimated due date, I was starting to feel a little bit uh, almost like he was overdue. You know, there was that sense of, oh, okay, he's not here yet. So, okay, maybe, maybe I'm quite wrong with that. So there was a little bit of anxiety and worry around how long this may go for, because I did not want to end up in hospital and I did not want any intervention. So again, I was releasing those fears and I was really sinking into the surrender of whatever will be, will be. So it was a Friday morning that, so Koa was due on the Saturday. So the day before, uh, no, I apologize. So on his estimated due date, that's the Friday. I went out for breakfast with a few of my girlfriends, um, all who are mums as well. We've certainly walked a lot of this path together. And we went out for breakfast and I was sitting there and they're like, how are you feeling? And I said, I just feel wonderful. I feel wonderful. My energy is great. Everything is great. So then we leave about 10 o'clock in the morning and I'm taking one of my girlfriends home and I'm in the car. So I had just gone to the toilet before we left the venue and I'm in the car 
and driving, chatting to her, we're laughing and having a great conversation. And then all of a sudden, I feel this release from my vagina area. And it was almost like a little bit of we had come out, but I had just gone to the toilet. So I was so confused and we we're deep in conversation. So I didn't say anything. And I, I, I'm surprised I didn't because I feel completely comfortable to share that with her, but I just chose to ignore it because yeah, what was that? Maybe my pelvic floor is just really, uh, relaxed and maybe that's what had happened anyway. So I dropped her at home and on the way home, I had another about 10 minutes uh, in the car and it happened a couple of times again. I'm like, what is that? And then I pull up at home and walk in the door and I can feel that my undies are quite wet. So I go to the toilet and my undies are wet and more comes out, but only a, a trickle. So it was like there was a leak and that was my waters leaking. But at the time I had no confirmation that that's what it was I wasn't sure is it that I'm weeing myself I don't know (laughs) and this went on for a few hours and I was so confused because there's no one there right I was at home by myself my husband's at work you know I was googling a little bit but yeah I'm just walking around the house very confused but also not worried at all more so just curious about what was going on in my body so then I my husband got home from work about two o'clock and it was still happening and it started to amplify at that point so my waters waters were really leaking by that stage and I put a pad in because my undies and clothes were just getting so wet. And again, there wasn't a huge amount coming out, but certainly enough to notice. And if I didn't have anything on, it was just trickling down my leg. (laughs) And I'm sitting on the couch with my husband. And I said to him at one point, because I got up to do something over at the TV. So I had to walk a few meters and some more came out. It was trickling down my leg. And I said, I Google had said that, uh, thanks, Dr. Google. But Google, uh, Google had said that um, amniotic fluid has a particular smell to it. And I lost my sense of smell a few years ago from a head injury. So I said to my husband, can you please come and smell this? <laughs> and he smelt it. And he said, yeah, that's that's what it is like, What how I just described it to him. And he said, don't you ever ask me to do that again. <laughs> So we're just laughing and I'm like, this is just the funniest thing because I actually don't know what's going on with my body, but it sounds like now and intuitively I was like, yes, it it feels like it's the amniotic fluid leaking. So we were just so excited that something was happening and yeah, so this, sorry, this is actually the day before Cole was due because he was born on his due date and So then I called my doula a few hours later and I just said to her, look, something's happening. And she said, look, just try and get as much rest as you can because the the surges haven't started yet. Just let's see what happens and keep me in the loop and just get to bed early tonight. So it got to around four o'clock and Daniel and I decided to go to the beach because I just had this real strong feeling that I needed to be at the ocean, my feet on the sand 
it was a bit of an overcast day so it was very dreamy and we just walked down the beach and had the awareness and the feeling that this was actually going to be the last time that we would be spending this time together just the two of us so we just soaked up those moments of just the peace and the quiet and just reveling in each other's company before anything was happening because I felt wonderful in my body. I didn't have any aches and pains or any niggles at all. So we just walked along the beach and then it was time to go home. So we get home and again, nothing's really happening except for the water's leaking for a while. So around 8.30, I called my doula again and I said, look, you know, it's about the same. Nothing's really happening. And she said, okay, we'll get to bed. If anything happens during the night, just give me a call. So I went to the toilet then around 10 to 9, just before I was climbing into bed. And I go to the toilet and what happens? I get my first period cramp, little surge. And it was all around the front of my pelvis and this is also when I had the bloody show so I had lost the mucus plug had the bloody show all at once so things were happening and it was time for bed (laughs) and I remember so clearly at this point in time thinking to myself oh shit I'm going to lose my night's sleep because this is all starting now and sleep is so precious right especially when you're in your final trimester of pregnancy and you're already tired and you know what's ahead of you is going to really really ask you for a lot of energy and strength so that was a bit of a yeah a bit of a moment where I was just filled with so much excitement and anticipation and this nervousness around oh okay I'm already a bit tired how how am I going to do this but I can do this so I told my husband what was going on and I said to him right let's go and try and get some sleep that's what our doula recommended so I walked back to my bed then after I'd sort of organized myself And as soon as I got to bed, I had another surge or another period cramp. And I thought to myself, oh, no, (laughs) this is this is a couple of minutes apart. Wow, this is really, really uh, happening quite quickly. And I said to him, all right, let's just time, you know, and I certainly didn't want to be bound by a timer or even really be focusing on that. But because it was happening so quickly from the get go, I was really curious about the time in between each one. And I said, all right, let's see how long it's going to be for the next one. And again, boom, every three minutes I had a surge from the very beginning. So it started off as sort of period cramping around the front. And if you've given birth, you'll certainly understand what I'm talking about. And then over period of say 15 minutes that intensity and discomfort then shifted entirely to my back so you think of exactly where you would feel it at the front then it was exactly that same space but at the back so just on my hips and above my glutes and there wasn't really much intensity or discomfort at all at the front of my body from that point. And I knew that that wasn't really what was ideal. I had heard that, you know, the discomfort should really be at the front. So why was I experiencing it more at the back? And it was so intense. 
So I called our doula and she said it sounds like he's posterior, which means if you're not sure what posterior is, it means that he, yes, he was head down, but his, he was facing the wrong way. So we were back to back instead of back to tummy, which means that his head was putting a lot of pressure or all of the pressure more towards my tailbone rather than my vagina. So the intensity around my back was phenomenal. And posterior discomfort or posterior pain is next level. It really, really is. Um, So she said, look, here's a couple of positions that you can try. And this is, like I said, about nine or we may have called her by this stage around 10 o'clock at night. And she said, look, he is. And the other thing, too, he was more in my left hand side of my body, sort of veering more towards the left hand side of my hip. So he wasn't really even in position properly because I said the intensity is so much on my left side. And she said, it sounds like he's just not centered yet. And that absolutely rang true because that's how it felt in my body. And she said, until he centers himself, he's not going to be born. So she gave me a couple of positions to try to, whilst I was in a surge, to try and shift him into the center. And the thing about these positions were that I had to try them when I was in a surge. So this intensified the feeling and the discomfort that I was already experienced. So the mind game that this was for me was incredible because I had to choose every single surge whether I was going to do this or not. And the easy option would have been not to do it because when I was in a surge, one of the positions was to get on all fours and put my back, my left foot up against my left elbow as far as I could to decrease the size of that angle to sort of put pressure on his head to shift him across, which meant that I was increasing the the intensity of the surge. It was astronomical how much that that positioning intensified the surge. And I had to choose that every time I was in a surge, but it was almost like I didn't have a choice because I knew that if I wanted to have a natural birth, which was what I wanted more than anything, then this is what I had to choose. So it was without a doubt, this is what I was going to do. So every surge I was in, that was the positioning I was in. And every three minutes, the surges continued every three minutes. So this is around probably midnight by this point where it's really ramped up and I'm starting to get quite tired and my mental chatter is almost a bit negative, very much more than I expected it to be because, you know, for the past few years prior to this, I was working with women on how to release their limiting beliefs, to take an empowered approach to their life and to love and accept themselves more. And it was all very much at that point of my life working around mindset. And here I was (laughs) in labor, having this mental chatter that certainly wasn't serving me. And naturally so, because that's what we go through when we're in labor. We are challenged to our highest degree. And here my husband is, he comes up to me and he said, 
you really need to shift your mindset and start thinking a bit more positively because otherwise you're going to make it harder for yourself. So here I have my little, my coach on the sideline cheering me on saying, you've got this and you really need to start talking to yourself a bit more positively. Otherwise, yeah, this could be really difficult. And that was pivotal for me. That moment changed everything because I remembered the mantras that I chose for pregnancy. I remembered the affirmations that I chose for pregnancy. I remembered everything in that moment. It all came flooding back to me. Yes, I want the natural birth. Yes, I've got this. I am doing this and I can do this. And that was essentially the affirmation and the mantra that I chose for the rest of my time throughout labor. I am doing this. I can do this. And that was just on repeat in my mind. Every time I had a surge, every time I was recovering from a surge, every time I had a fear pop up, it was just that mantra on replay over and over and over again. So throughout this time, my husband, he was sort of dozing in and out of sleep because I said to him, look, it's the middle of the night. I'm pretty exhausted, so I'm going to need your strength as time goes on. So I said, you go and get some sleep. So he laid on the couch and I had my cat and my dog at my feet the whole time. It's amazing what, what pets do, especially cats and dogs. They're very intuitive. And I feel like they were right there supporting me on as well. And my husband, he would wake up every now and then and give me a foot rub or give me a shoulder rub or press into my hips or get me a drink, whatever it is I needed at that time. But often I would say, look, baby, just go back to bed, go back to sleep, because again, it's 2 a.m., it's 3 a.m. You know, there's not really much more you can do for me here until I'm really desperately needing you. So he went back to sleep. And by this point, I had the TENS machine on too. So I remember really only wanting the TENS machine on if I desperately needed it because I wanted to do it all on my own. Well, it was probably about 10 p.m. once I realized he was posterior and that intensity ramped up significantly. So one hour into labor. And I said to my husband, get that thing on my back, because if it can help a little bit, then I'm willing to give it a go. But the problem with the TENS machine was that I hadn't practiced how to use the damn thing. (laughs) So here we have it on my back. And while my husband's awake, he had been using it. So he knew how to use it. And he's pressing when I'm in a surge, he would press it on and the sensation would come on. And it, if you're not sure what a TENS machine is, it's just um, these little sort of electrodes that you place on your back, sort of around your hips and up your spine to the side of your spine. And you can send an electrical impulse into your body while you're in a surge so that it helps to sort of dissipate some of that discomfort that you're experiencing while in a surge. So when he's asleep, I'm trying to turn the damn thing on, but I hadn't learned how to use it. So I'm getting so angry and frustrated with this TENS machine that I actually think it probably distracted me a lot from the surge itself because I felt more uh, frustration, I suppose, from the TENS machine than I was uh, experiencing in the surge at that time. So every time he would wake, he would put it on and I just forgot to to ask him how to use it. But I I feel it helped initially, but was it helping me after many hours? I don't really think so. I think the intensity of 
the posterior discomfort just flooded any potential, you know, benefit, I suppose, of the TENS machine. Well, that was my experience anyway. And so with posterior, as time was going on, COA was so deep in the birth canal that I felt every time I was in a surge, I felt that he was going to, I felt like a bowling ball was trying to come out of my bum. And I've explained this in another podcast where I was interviewed, interviewed about Koa's birth story and the beautiful lady who interviewed me, she had also had a posterior birth at one point. And she said to me, it is the perfect (laughs) explanation of what it feels like, because it feels like a bowling ball, which is obviously was obviously Koa's head. It felt like that was going to come out of my bum. It was like whilst in a surge, I had absolutely no control over the pressure that his body was pushing down on that I actually then started to fear that I was going to end up in hospital for tearing and an injury to that part of my body because of his positioning, you know, at that point in time, I didn't really know too much about posterior positioning. Uh, yeah. And how actually you can birth a baby very naturally and very easily. Um, in that positioning, it was more just the feeling of that bowling ball trying to come out of my bum was just bringing up so much for me in those moments around what if, I can't have my natural birth. What if this doesn't go to plan? And every time those thoughts popped up, I would remind myself that my body has got this. My body knows exactly how to birth this baby. I am completely supported by my husband, by my doula who has birth, been to so many births, hundreds of births. So I fully trusted her. I fully trusted her advice and I knew that it was all going to be okay. And I felt that the intensity that I was experiencing, I could handle, you know, I was not going to experience anything more than I could handle. It would all be okay. So every single time I was in a surge, I brought myself back to the present moment. All I focused on was this very moment. I can do this. I am doing this. And I think that mantra in particular really did bring me back to the present moment because those words, I can do this. I am doing this. The am, I am doing this brought me back to the right here, right now. I am doing this. And all that matters right now is getting through this moment and then getting through that moment when it comes. Okay. I'm in another moment. Let's get through this moment. So it brought so much empowerment and confidence and peace and surrender to what lay ahead because I knew that I was getting through every moment, every moment, every moment, even though Koa hadn't, as far as I knew, shifted his positioning because it all felt the same. It just felt more intense. The surges were going for longer. They were becoming more frequent, but I just knew that I could do it. And I put that down to yes, hypnobirthing. Absolutely. But also prior to hypnobirthing, I 
didn't have a lot of fear around birth anyway, because the work that I was doing in the world with other women was, like I said, all around mindset. And that had been such a significant part of my life in my personal life up until that point was feeling empowered in my life, working on my limitations, releasing anything that wasn't serving me. So generally in my life, I lived a very empowered life. I lived a life where I knew that I was capable of anything. If I really put my mind to it, if I really believed it possible, and if I really took the steps to bring it to life. So birth was exactly that. I knew that if this is the birth that I wanted, then I was absolutely capable. The only reason I wasn't, wouldn't be capable is if I didn't believe so. And like I said, obviously the universe can have a different plan as to how they want the labor or the birth to play out. And again, the, the soul journey of my baby also required a particular experience. But I knew that I could do it no matter what it was. So that was absolutely critical for me to have had that belief. And I see this with other women and it can go one of two ways, right? You can go into birth with this fear of your capacity to birth with any fear around birth, which will limit you. Absolutely. It will limit you because all your fears come up in birth. You know, birth is a rite of passage and a rite of passage will bring up all of your shit. (laughs) So my plan was to release as much as possible prior to birth so that I didn't limit myself in any way or whatever was showing itself in birth. I had the ability then and the awareness then to work through it in the moment rather than not doing any of the work, not releasing the fears, not doing the preparation, not educating myself not feeling confident. If I didn't do any of those things, then having gone through what I, the labor that I did with COA, I would have doubted myself, questioned myself, caved into myself the entire time. And most likely I would have said, let's go to hospital because I can't do this alone. I don't want to do it alone. I don't believe I can do it alone. I need medical assistance. And that is certainly not what I wanted. So I had to, if I wanted this natural birth, if I wanted to enjoy it and make the most of it and actually revel in the magic that birth is because I knew how beautiful birth could be, if that's what I wanted, then I had to do the work. I had to spend hours and hours and hours learning about the process of birth, about what can go wrong, when to communicate to my midwife, when to speak to my doula, what to tell my husband that I need, how to meet all of my needs throughout that experience rather than constantly giving my power away or looking outside of myself. And that was really huge for me because taking my power back as a natural birthing woman, I am born on this planet to birth. That is one of the most natural processes that my body knows how to do. It has done it lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. And for me, I knew that. So to take my power back and to fully own the process of birth with, of course, knowing that I had all the support options available. And of course, if they're needed, they're absolutely needed. I would call my doula when necessary, speak to the midwife when necessary, speak to my husband when I needed extra support. So I was allowing all of that support to be there but I also ultimately took on 
the responsibility to birth my baby because that is what my baby wanted me to do and that is what I wanted to do. So fast forward a few hours, my waters had still been leaking throughout this time, but I hadn't had a gush of losing my amniotic fluid. Nothing had really changed then. Everything did apart from this bowling ball trying to come out of my bum. (laughs) Everything was actually seemingly going pretty well. There was no other cause for concern. I was constantly in contact with my doula overnight. And she said, look, until he sort of shifts out of your hip position, there's not really much point in me coming around because he's not going to be born if he's still not centered. And I totally got that as much as I would have loved for her to be there. I also loved the peace and quiet of my home. So I was laboring in the lounge room. I was laboring in the shower and Daniel was asleep most of the time, like I said. So I actually got to really fully experience every single moment, which certainly had its challenges, because like I said, I was constantly in my mind experiencing this labor. There was no distractions. There was no car ride that I had to do. There was no other, no one else around me. It was just me and my thoughts and this incredible discomfort that I was going through. So there was one point in time around 1 to 2 to 3 a.m. I'm not sure exactly when, but I got in the shower. I just needed to be in water. So I got on the birth ball or the, the fit ball that I had used throughout my pregnancy and at the beginning of labor. And I got in the shower and I sat on that ball with the shower head on my back So I took the shower head off and I was holding it and I just had the warm water right where the discomfort was around my hips and my lower back. And I was in that shower probably for about two hours or an hour and a half. And that sounds like such a long time. But when it was an 11 hour labor, (laughs) it was every minute of that I needed. It provided so much relief for me. Every time I was in a surge, I would intensify the water pressure on that area and it was just the best thing ever it was so so beautiful so I stayed in there until I really felt like I needed to get out which yeah like I said was a long time and it at that moment I absolutely appreciated why women birth in the shower or birth in water because it felt so much more relaxing I felt my body relax I felt more peaceful in my mind and it just was really lovely to settle into that position even though the intensity was of course still there but the water pressure on my back just felt beautiful and my husband would come in every now and then and he would massage my hips which felt amazing and he did that quite a lot throughout the labor and that was mostly what I required of him was just putting that real intense pressure of his thumbs into my hips while I was in a surge to just release some of the intensity that I was experiencing. So he would sort of float in and out of sleep and do that for me. And once time was getting on sort of early morning, the sun was starting to rise and I started to think to myself, okay, so the sun's coming up. We've been in this for about 10 hours. So let's say this is six or seven o'clock in the morning. We've been in this for about 10 hours. And if he's still not moving, then I could be here for a very long time. 
And how am I going to support myself to continue doing this for hours and hours and hours if that's what it came to be? So I had a real shift in my energy at this point. I was like, okay, the world is waking up. The sun is shining. I'm going to have my smoothie. So I said, all right, Daniel, that's my husband. I say, can you make me a smoothie, please? Let's put the TV on. Why did I want to watch TV? I think it was purely just a distraction at this point. It was to have sound outside of my head that I could hear. So I wasn't so focused on my own mind. And even though everything was feeling, I was thinking pretty positively, it was just nice to almost not think. I think I was just very much over thinking and focusing on my inner world that it was so timely to just have a bit of a distraction and look outside and be prepared, I suppose, really for what if this goes on for a long time. I just need a break and a bit of a distraction. So Daniel made me a smoothie and I'm in the lounge room. And by this stage, almost instantly, as soon as I asked for that, this surges intensified and got quicker and quicker and quicker. So I'm on all fours in the lounge room and I come up to have a sip of my smoothie because again, I also needed energy and liquid as well. And he had coconut water for me quite regularly, which was amazing, but I needed something by this stage a bit more substantial. So I'm having some of my smoothie and then bang, I'm straight back on all fours in this big surge. And then I come up again to recover and have a bit of my smoothie and boom, I'm back down again. And what was happening around this point and a little bit before was when I went into a surge, I got extremely hot. And so Koa was born at the beginning of June. So it was quite cold overnight by this point. So I had a long sleeve on and my long, uh, no, actually I didn't have pants on. I had my long sleeve on, but every time I went into a surge around sort of four, five, six AM, I had to strip my top off because I got sweaty and hot. And we had a gas heater that I had to turn off every single time. And then as soon as the surge was finished, <laughs> I would put my top back on and I would turn the heater back on because I was getting cold. So that in itself, like that physical action of having to do that every time was so exhausting <laughs> and so annoying too, to be honest, but you just do what you have to do, right? So here I am buckled down on four, on my all fours through another surge that's going on for quite a while now. And Koa's still feeling in that same position. I'm still putting my leg up against my hand and intensifying the surge and the pressure to shift him across. And I'm having my smoothie in between. And this just continues for a few minutes. And my doula had called just prior to this. So she called about 20 past seven. So no, it must have been at this point in time she called me. And she spoke to Daniel and she said, look, I'm on my way. I'll come around to just support in whatever way that I can. And we'll do some acupuncture and try and shift Koa into position. Because as a first time mum, most likely he's not going to be born instantaneously when he shifts. Because as a first time mum, that doesn't generally happen. Well, <laughs> for me, it did. But that absolutely blew her mind. And I'll share that in just a moment. So anyway, she's on her way and it takes about 20 minutes for her to get to us. And Daniel's with me, he's putting pressure on my back. And I said, I just remember thinking, fuck, like this is full on. Like how much more full on can this actually get? 
And, but at the same time, I felt so capable. I felt like I had been doing this for hours. That intensity of that bowling ball trying to come out of my bum, I had been in that for hours. I'd got through all the moments. Here is another moment. I just need to get through it. And it's almost like the intensity that had ramped up by that point almost distracted me from any fear at all because I was just so present in the surge that there was no other thoughts really going through my mind, which certainly helped immensely. So then Daniel goes to the toilet and I'm in the middle of the surge and I feel the discomfort from my back shift to my front. And I remember thinking, oh, okay, that almost felt a lot easier. Like that, that feels a lot better. Something, something's happening. And then another, like a minute later, another surge comes on. And again, it was all at the front. And I remember thinking this, what is going on? Like this feels so good. And then the next minute, cause he's still on the toilet, right? So this is how quickly it happened. And then the next minute I have another surge and I feel that bowling ball, which was obviously Koa's head, try and push out of my vagina. And I was just like, holy shit, what the actual fuck is going on here? I think that's his head. And it had then by that stage, by the time I thought to put my hand down to check, his head had gone back up a bit. And again, next minute, another surge, boom, his head again, his, my body literally did the work. There was absolutely no pushing at all, which I have so much compassion for the women that go through these extended pushing phases. And you may have had to do that too, but I did not have to experience that with Koa. I didn't experience it with Lua. And I'm so forever grateful that my body just completely took over and pushed his head as it needed to. And I put my hand down and again, his head came out a little bit and I put my hand down and I felt his hair and felt his head. And I yelled out to my husband, I can feel his head. And with that, his head came out and my husband came out from the toilet. And it, it's amazing how instinct kicks in because we had not rehearsed this or spoken about this whatsoever because we were planning to birth at the family birthing center. So Daniel had called triple zero on his way to me and got a towel from the laundry on his way to me, which was not out of his way. It was just, he's on the toilet. Here's that Koa's head's popping out. So he grabs a towel, calls triple zero and he's with me within seconds. And he looks down, he said, his head's out. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I said. His head is out. Like what the actual fuck? And I'm there on all fours. And I, in this moment, felt no discomfort, no intensity. It was almost like I'd gone completely numb because I, could, I just felt amazing. I felt amazing. I felt like I was on cloud nine. Everything was the way it was supposed to be. I had no fear, no worry, absolutely zero. It just felt perfect. The only thing that didn't feel perfect at that point in time was that my doula wasn't there and she was supposed to birth. Uh, she was supposed to f uh, take photos and record the birth. So I've got my phone right beside me 
and I put it on video and put it right, I lean it up against the uh, TV cabinet, which is about a meter and a half from me. And I looked at it, I'm like, okay, I think it's got me, it's recording, but if anything, if I don't even really catch the recording in terms of the video, then at least I'll hear, we'll be able to replay it and hear what goes on. But as the universe has it, had my back and I had positioned it perfectly and we caught the entire thing. And it's very G-rated because I'm on my side. So you don't actually see, uh, all you see is color sort of slipping out behind me. So anyway, Daniel goes behind me and he puts the towel down and he's got triple zero on and they're saying, okay, tell her to push, tell her to push. And I said, I'm not pushing. I'm waiting for the next surge because again, thank goodness for hypnobirthing and the hypnobirthing teachings. You learn so much about what how to work with your body and with your baby and with a surge rather than against it. So I knew if I was to push when my body actually didn't want to push, well, that's how you end up with tearing. That's how you end up exhausted. And I certainly intuitively knew that I didn't need to or didn't want to push. So I said, I'm just going to wait for another surge. And I just felt incredible but here I was feeling amazing but I didn't realize my husband was actually having a bit of a freak out in the back behind me because he could see Koa's head out but he didn't realize that babies don't breathe through their nose or their mouth when they just have their head out until they're actually born so he's worried that something's actually wrong and he's asking the woman on triple zero he's like should the baby be breathing when their head is out and they're not answering him but here I was just sort of in my own little world that I didn't even think to respond to him so unfortunately he had yeah a bit of a a lot of anxiety at that point But then I thought to myself, okay, so it's been a couple of minutes now. I'm just going to see. I was just curious. I wonder if I can push a little bit. I wonder how that will go. So I gave a little push, I think. But at the time I was like, I feel so numb. I don't even know if I'm pushing. (laughs) And I felt it was almost a bit humorous at the time because I thought, I have felt so much discomfort for so many hours and here I am with my baby's head out of my vagina and I feel nothing but bliss. <laughs> so I gave a lead, a little bit of a push and not, yeah, it, I just thought, okay, I'm just going to let my body do this. And then a few moments later, I felt Koa start to wiggle. And I said to Daniel, here he comes. He's wiggling and here he comes. And with that, my body again just gave another push and Koa just slipped out into my husband's hands. And I turned around, grabbed my phone and put it straight over sort of where we were so we could capture Koa. And there's my dog moving straight, sort of creeping up to Koa and sort of sniffing his face. And it's all on video. It's so beautiful. And then within moments, I, so Koa started to have a couple of cries and we knew he was fine. He was absolutely perfect. And we were just in so much shock and you watch the video and I'll share it with you, but we are just in so much shock. We are like, what the hell (laughs) has actually happened? But here he is, he's perfect. He's having a cry. He's in my arms. And within two minutes, our doula knocks on the door. And at this point in time, Daniel's gone to the bar, to the laundry to get another few towels and she comes in and I yell out to her I'm like he's here and she said who's here 
And she heard Daniel's voice then. So she walks into the laundry and Daniel's like, he's here. Koa's here. Because we knew we were having a boy. And she walks into the lounge room and the look on her face is absolutely priceless because here I am, a first-time mum. I've just free-birthed with no one else there except for my husband. And he was a posterior baby in my hip for quite some time. So never in her wildest dreams did she expect that this was going to happen, and nor did we. And she walks in and she just says, am I dreaming? <laughs> and we are just cacking our pants laughing. We were just on the biggest high. It was the best thing ever and here she is 40 minutes late compared to what she said she would be but that's because she had to stop to get fuel on the way you know natural things that you need to do as a human (laughs) she had to stop and get fuel on the way and I just said to her you weren't supposed to be here this is exactly the way it was supposed to be we were supposed to free birth this is a birth that my soul needed this is the birth that Koa's soul needed and chose and you weren't supposed to be here no one was My husband doesn't necessarily share the same belief, but we knew that Koa was fine. We were all on the biggest high, laughing, replaying it over and over and over again through conversation, showing her the video, and I couldn't have been more immensely grateful for the outcome and every ounce of discomfort that I experienced with that posterior labor was worth it. And as soon as he was born, I said to my husband, I would do that over and over and over again, exactly that way. I said to her only moments after I said, I would give birth instantly again. It was the most intense, uncomfortable, incredible, beautiful experience of my life. And I still believe that to this day, as well as the birth of Lua since then, which was a lot less uncomfortable, but so beautiful and yet so different as well. So just to sort of wrap it up from that point, the ambulance then arrived a few minutes later. Uh, We had to share with them or my, this is, I guess, another benefit of having a doula. She said to me, okay, this is what they're going to ask you to do to cut the cord and so forth. And we chose delayed cord clamping. So she said, you just need to share with them what your wishes are and they will honor that. And they were wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. We said, we want delayed cord clamping. We are keeping the placenta and all of our wishes were met with, with such grace and reverence and awe of what had just happened so once we had cut Daniel cut the cord once the cord had finished pulsating and we were ready uh, we then had to go to the family birthing center because that was the obligation of the ambulance to take us to where we were supposed to birth just for the the checks so we get to the family birthing center and we go in and our midwife who lived an hour away this is on a Saturday an hour away she was not even on shift and we had told her that obviously she knew about what was going on and she said oh I'm on my way she said I'm getting my kids looked after and I will meet you there so god bless her she drove all of that way just to meet us and meet our baby and to do the checks which she did not have to do and she wasn't getting paid for so that's another beautiful thing about the family birthing center you really do feel so valued and supported there So we get there and we have the checks, everything's okay, Koa is weighed and I birth the placenta there and after about three hours, because you do need to be there for a minimum of three hours and by that point 
we were just sort of watching the clock. We're like, okay, it's been three hours now. And they said, yeah, you guys are fine to go home. So we get in the car for the first time with our newborn baby only hours after giving birth at home and we take him back home. And it was just the most surreal experience and reflection of what had just happened that all we could do for for a long time was just laugh and like revel in the power of birth and what we had just done together, the two of us as a team and the gratitude that I was feeling for that experience. It was just such a flood of emotions as it always is when you give birth. You have the hormones and the emotions and the reflection of what had just gone on and all this newness and all this change. But the immense gratitude that I felt for that experience was just out of this world. You know, I wanted a natural birth, but here I was having a free birth at home that was so fully supported and safe and exactly the way it was supposed to be. You know, I fully believe that we are given the birth that we need and Often that is in a way that we don't plan, you know, we can plan and plan and plan, but, you know, we need to surrender to the divine unfolding that is ahead for us. And I absolutely have so much gratitude for the preparation for birth that I did and that I see other women do when they also desire a natural birth where you, like I said, work on your fears and your limitations and your mindset and educate and empower yourself and go into birth with confidence and grace and complete surrender. Having done all the inner work, having done all the preparation, but also then completely releasing it all to the divine unfolding that lay ahead. So I love so much to help other women also go through a similar preparation process to take their power back and to know exactly that they have the capacity and the ability to birth their baby in the most natural way when they believe it themselves and when they prepare themselves for it and when they take reverence and honor the sacred natural experience and process that birth really is because we have lost that so much to the medicalization of birth to the patriarchal system that we live in today, where it is all fear-based. It is medicalized to the point where women don't believe that they are capable of birthing their baby without drugs, without a huge amount of support, without being in a hospital. And sure, many women actually take an empowered approach to birth and choose a hospital setting because that is what feels right for them. But the majority of women I would imagine in hospital are in there with a hell of a lot of fear around birth and around what their body can do or cannot do. So I really love these conversations where we get to sink into the, the sacredness and the natural process of birth and how beautiful and blissful it is and can be and how we can do so much to prepare ourselves for a magical experience. So I'm going to leave it there for today. I will in another podcast share with you the key learnings that I had and the key growth that I had through Koa's birth experience and how that has shifted and morphed and changed me as a mother, particularly as a first-time mother. 
But I'll save that for another day because these conversations can become quite lengthy. So I hope that you've gained something really beautiful from this today and it's opened your heart and opened your mind to another possibility, right? Another way of connecting with yourself and with your baby and with your body through birth and how when we connect at such a deep level with trust and confidence and faith that we really make life easier. We get out of our own way and there is so much magic ahead if we just allow it all to unfold. So thank you, thank you, thank you again for being here. I'm so, so grateful and so blessed that you have been with me up until this point of an hour and 20 minutes of hearing how this Sacred Birthing and Beyond podcast came to be, how we got here today and my beautiful, beautiful experience of birth with Koa. And I really, really hope that you know just how truly powerful you are as a woman in this world and as a birthing woman. You are capable of it all. So thank you again for being here and I would love to see you again next week. Bye for now. If you would like to see Koa's birth video, you are most welcome to view that. Just visit the show notes and you will find the link there. If you enjoyed our conversation today, please consider leaving a podcast review to help this podcast reach more people. I invite you to also like this episode, share it with your family and friends, and be sure to subscribe so you can keep up to date with all future episodes. To follow me on the socials, you will find me on Instagram and Facebook at biancajanelangstaff.xo. From my heart to yours, thank you so much for being here.